Welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, a podcast all about college sports. In today's show, it is our final four preview show. We will break down matchups for both the men and the women. What can you expect? Who's going to win? All the good stuff. Guys, you're going to find it in today's show. Thomas and I are really excited about this one. And without further ado, let's kick the tires and light the fires. This is Next Gen Athletics with your hosts, Trotter Scarce and Thomas Woods. Yes, sir. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Next Gen Athletics. As always, I'm your host, Trotter Scarce, and as always, my wonderful co-host, Thomas Woods joins us. Thomas, how you doing, bud? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, great weather today in Clemson. Uh, it's opening day for Major League Baseball. I know this is a college sports account, but I still love Major League Baseball. So I'm um, excited to see how that season plays out and all that. And, uh, yeah, it's just been a, it's been a good day, a uh, good week, great weather. I can't complain. Oh, it's been absolutely gorgeous out here in Columbia. Um, now that the, the, way, the rain and the storms have moved past, we're, we're on to bigger and better things here. Um, and yeah, opening day, big Cubs guy right here. I uh, lived in Illinois for a little bit, so my Cubs won today. So we're clearly we're gonna win the World Series. So don't even try to convince me otherwise. It's just yeah, that's, how, that's how that works. Yeah, it's, how that works. yeah. I mean, you win one game, and that's how it goes. You know, <laughs> October's calling already. It's just I don't make the rules; I just follow them. All right. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> all right. You're an Angels fan, so hey, the man. team that should be so good that isn't good. Plus- Let's let's get into the basketball. Stuff, I don't, I don't wanna, you're going to hurt my feelings. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, fine. We'll get into basketball. Uh, FAU San Diego State, a final four game that will go down in history, right? This is going to be our final four preview show. I don't know if I mentioned that, but this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, and, you know, this FAU San Diego State game, we talked about it on the last show on Monday just about how big of a deal it is for these two teams to be here in Houston, how big of a deal it is for them to be competing in a final four. And, you know, I think it's interesting how closely the stats correlate right now. San Diego state is a three point favorite over the owls. Uh, ESPN has them as a 57.7% chance of getting a win. However, when you look at their kind of team stats, FAU averages 78 points a game to San Diego State's 71. Uh, FAU allows about 66 points a game to San Diego State's 57. Uh, Both teams are shooting uh, close to 45% from the field. So I think it's going to be, you know, a game that we've seen from both of these teams now, right? We talked about how FAU played Tennessee and and how – um, San Diego State has played both Alabama and Creighton now. Teams that will kind of respond similarly to how the oppositions are going to be playing in this game. So, Thomas, you know, with the stats and with the history so far of this tournament, what are some storylines and expectations you have for this game on th- on Saturday? I think first off, just the defense of San Diego State. Can it can it hold up the way it's been playing all tournament, really all year? Their their defense is what has brought them this far. And if they can continue that, um, I think that that'll be really 
important for their success. Also, I look at a guy like Golden for FAU, the center, the seven one center um, from Russia. He's somebody that I don't know if San Diego State can match up with perfectly. Um, San Diego State doesn't have – I mean, they're not a small team by, by any stretch of the imagination, but um, some of their bigger guys are, are – their biggest guys are about 6'10", and they don't uh, play a ton. They're, they're a guy that I, I would assume would be matched up as senior Nathan Mensa. He's 6'10", 230. Uh, he's from Ghana. He's a big dude, but um, I, I think that the size advantage of FAU could – could play a role in this one as well. So uh, I'm looking for San Diego State to try to just continue their defensive prowess and just uh, dominating the, on that side of the ball. And I'm looking for FAU to try to use a little bit of size advantage um, here and there to, to take advantage of um, one of the few, I guess, on paper advantages I, I could see uh, FAU having. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think, you know, we, we've talked about on this show before about how you've gotten to the Final Four by playing for basketball. Right. You you if you're San Diego State, you got here because of how good you are on the defensive side of the ball and vice versa for FAU. You've gotten here because you're really good on the offensive side of the ball. Well, it's important now that you don't try to get away from that. Right. I think a lot of times sometimes you can see teams with that week in between Elite Eight and the Final Four. They try and change things. Right. Like, okay, well, here's the matchups. So we should do this. I don't necessarily think that's the best idea just because. You know, you've gotten this far with the guys you've got. You've gotten this far because of your brand of basketball working. So I think it's going to be important for both of these teams to just stick to their identities. Um, and, and, you know, they're just so different identities that it's going to, you know, like whoever wins this game is going to be the better team, right? I don't think this is going to be one of those things where we're going to sit here on Sunday afternoon and go, well, you know, maybe the better team didn't win. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case because both of these two teams are just very, very good at both of the sides of the ball. It's going to be offense versus defense. And, you know, I think about the saying offense wins games, defense wins championships in this, because in this instance, it's a game. It's not a championship, but it's a game to get to a championship. So I wonder how much, um, um, that saying is going to come true and, and which real side of the saying you want to look at for me personally, that, that defensive side, I think is important in a big game like this, just because nerves can be so high. If you can keep it low scoring, you give yourself more of a chance to stay connected and stay within striking distance of FAU. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think San Diego state, um, relying on their defense, this game gives them an advantage. Um, uh, I like what you're saying there, the, Whenever you're nervous, shots are harder to make. But whenever you're nervous, you can still play good defense. Um, it doesn't really affect you as much. Uh, and it's a big game that neither of these teams probably expected to be in at this point in the, in the season. Maybe they did. Maybe they were had more belief in themselves than the rest of the country. But um, both these teams kind of have to just try to forget about how big of a moment it is and just play the way they've been playing all year. Both these teams have been very good all year, uh, both over 30 wins on the season. FAU sitting at 35-3 and three, and San Diego State at 31-6. and six. So they've both been very successful all year. Um, treat it like another game. Don't make any. Don't make it too big. Um, just en enjoy the moment. Enjoy playing with your your uh, teammates and all that. And um, I will say one other storyline I wanted to mention is San Diego State is a team that's full of upperclassmen. A lot of juniors, a lot of seniors. They're a lot more experienced than FAU. FAU's leaders are, are mainly sophomores, a few freshmen, junior here and there. But uh, FAU's younger all around, especially in the guys that get you know meaningful rotational minutes. And so San Diego State's experience and 
their defense and like understanding what their what their role is and, and what their identity is um, could definitely be very beneficial for them going into this game. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point you make. A lot of times we see tournament teams excel because they have that experience, you know, guys that have been there and done that. And while the San Diego State team hasn't been to a Final Four, they can't say they've been there, done that in this situation, but they have played in the tournament. Um, I can't remember how many years going. I think it's three in a row now, uh, including this year that they've made the tournament. So a lot of those upperclassmen have been here before. They've they've played in, in big-time games. And, you know, you always hear, you know, in press conferences and games, coaches saying, listen, they, we're just going to treat it like it's another game, blah, 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 blah. And everybody thinks it's so cliche. It's coach speak. It's just what you tell your guys before a big game. But it's just how you've got to treat it, right? There's no getting around it because if you let that influence you, if you let the fact that it is such a big game, that it is such a big time moment, you're going to get nervous. You're going to start to make sloppy mistakes. And it's important to, yeah, enjoy the moment, enjoy the fact that you're in the final four when you really, really shouldn't be. But also treat it like a normal game. Treat it like as a random Tuesday, and you're you're in San Diego or or down in South Beach, and you know you're you're playing a conference opponent. It's important to go and just play basketball. It's the same game whether you're playing on on your high school gym in, in the biggest arena in, in the world. It's the same game. You're still going to be playing basketball. So um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see which coach gets their team prepared the best. And, you know, we, we haven't made picks all tournament. We're not going to start now. But I'm really excited to watch this game on Saturday evening. I am, too. Um, I will say another thing that I found very interesting, um, a team like FAU, who a nine seed in, in the Final Four, very rare. I saw a picture from their press conference earlier today, and it was empty. Um, I mean, there was very few media members. And it's like, when is the disrespect going to stop? And, I mean – that's something that might play into, you know, what coaches say in pregame, like, hey, man, they've been doubting us all year. They're still doubting us now. Let's go out there and prove them wrong again. Uh, but it was actually kind of, like, disappointing to see the, the lack of media members that were present for, for their um, for their media time. And I was like, this is a Final Four team, regardless if they're a ninth seed or a CUSA team. doesn't, doesn't matter. Like, they're, they're in the Final Four. Just, there should be a few more media members than there are. And I was like, this is just sad to see. But um, wow. I think FAU could definitely use that as motivation. And, and ammunition to go into this game and, and be a little more fired up than maybe they already were. Cause I mean, it is a big time game. They're going to be fired up. They want to keep winning. Um, and they have extra motivation now. I feel like after the picture I saw where there was just barely anybody from the media there. Yeah, that's bizarre. I've never heard of that. You know, you, you would think in a year like this being a nine seed in the final four, like that's a big deal. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm taken back that there was nobody there, you know, maybe, I don't know. That's weird. I've never heard of that before in a Final Four team, regardless of the seed. Um, and, you know, I think that in any other year, a nine seed being in the Final Four would be the biggest storyline. But unfortunately, if you're FAU, the biggest storyline in this one is the fact that there's just so much chaos going on. There's so much all over the place. And I think that it's going to be important that, you know, FAU just stays even keen. And, you know, I'm looking at this picture now and I mean, that's just bizarre. There's what, four people there. That's if you haven't seen the picture, um, we'll retweet it on the next gen account and you guys can can go look at it on there. But it really is just kind of 
it's bizarre. It's something I've never seen before. I kid you not. There's rows and rows of chairs in this picture and there's nobody there. There's four people sitting in front of, of this FAU team. So definitely going to be a, a chip on the shoulder in that one. I definitely think that, you know, they're going to be able to use that as far as a little bit of momentum, a little bit of uh, just extra motivation in that so that they can continue to just go out and prove people wrong, right? Being the underdog is the easiest thing in the world. It really, really is, right? You've got zero expectations. You've got zero um, people really counting on you. And I've said it before on here, when a fighter ain't got nothing to lose, he's dangerous. And so I think FAU has played with that kind of attitude all tournament. I don't think that stops now. It definitely doesn't stop now after seeing this. And I'm really, really excited to see how they they kind of translate this into momentum and into um, into points and into into maybe a win and a chance to play for a national championship. Yeah, I'm really excited to see how this one plays out. Um, either way, whoever wins, it'll be historic. Um, a five or a nine is a, is a crazy run to end up in, in the final four or in the championship game, I should say. So the, the winner of this one um, definitely is an exciting moment for either team and uh, I'm just really I'm ready to watch this one play out on Saturday night absolutely this game will be the first of the two games up it will be uh, on CBS it's gonna be about a 609 tip is what the ESPN app is telling me here so if I were you I'd be tuning in about six o'clock they'll be doing I'm sure some pretty cool uh, pre-game stuff with with CBS and and Houston putting on a show down there, they love to have the Final Four. It's a great venue down there at uh, at NRG Stadium. It's a really cool place, so you guys are definitely going to want to tune in for that one. So we'll move into our second game in the Final Four. Obviously, it's Miami and UConn. We talked about how this is going to be a slugfest. Thomas, elaborate on that just a little bit. Yeah, I feel like both teams um, are just going to come out swinging. It's a big game, obviously, and both these teams are kind of more prepared for that, being – power six teams. Um, I, I think about a UConn team that has just come out on fire in basically every game and been dominant and a Miami team that's had to, that's had to fight. Um, Miami's beaten some, some really good teams in this tournament. Talk about a number two, Texas team, a number one, Houston team, a number four, Indiana. And those games weren't always blowouts. They had to work for them. Um, especially in that Texas game, they had to claw their way back into that one uh, as they were down pretty early in that one. Um, and for most of the game. And so uh, I think it's going to just be a, a battle of can UConn get the lead and hold on to it? Uh, this is a Texas team, like I'm saying, or not Texas, sorry, a Miami team, like I'm saying, that has been fighting uh, in a lot of these games and just has willed their way to a win in a lot of them um, and then pulled away at the end. And so if UConn can just maintain a lead, uh, they've been able to do so well. Or on the flip side of things, if Miami can just hang around like they've been able to do so well, um, either team can kind of just establish their identity in this one and um, can can get the win. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting right now just kind of how how much people think UConn is going to win. They're currently a five-and-a-half favorite. ESPN has them as a 76.7% chance of winning. You know, we go back and forth with ESPN a lot on these. I don't necessarily understand where they get all their graphics from. I will give it to them. They're actually right a lot of the time, and I'm wrong. So, you know, I'm not going to get on them too much. But, um, listen, I think that this is going to be a battle of the two hottest teams right now. And, you know, I know that it's it's easy to sit here and say, well, listen, but they've all won. And technically, FAU and San Diego State have a longer win streak than Miami and UConn. But 
Miami and UConn are battle tested all year long against the best teams in the country. They're playing by far the best basketball right now, scoring well over 30 points in some games so far this year, or excuse me, this tournament. UConn's defense has been lights out against some of the best teams in the country. You look at Gonzaga holding the nation's leading offense to under 55 points. It's impressive. It really, really is. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch and see how UConn's defense can limit the scoring of Isaiah Wong. Obviously, obviously he was ACC player of the year. He's a really, really good guard. He's been there. He's done that. He's experienced Having an experienced guard who's playing his best basketball late is dangerous. He averages 16.2 points per game. He shoots about 45% from the field. He's an 84% free throw shooter. He's a dog, right? He's really, really good. And I think it's going to be important that UConn limits him and limits some of the other guys around him, Normier Park and some of those other guys, to have a chance to win this game. Yeah, and I look at I'm looking at the ESPN stats right now, what they're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree. They've got, like you said, a 76% chance for UConn to win it, um, and I don't necessarily disagree with the way UConn's been playing. It's like UConn shows up, and then the other team is just crickets. Nothing's there. It's just nobody else is showing up but UConn in these games. And so um, I'm excited to see if they can continue it. Um, their run in this tournament has been historic for the way they've been dominant. A lot of times we see – Teams have to escape by one or two points. Maybe it's a buzzer beater here and there to get to this point. No, they've they've asserted their will in every team they've played. And I'm looking at their stats for the season. It's kind of been that way all year. Um, they average 78.8 points per game. So I'll, I'll round up, give them 79. And they allow 59 points a game. Um, they're basically averaging winning by 20 in every game they play, not just in this tournament, but throughout the entire season. And so when I think about that, man, that's just impressive. I don't know how I've missed that to this point. This is a UConn team that, Outside of that one little skid they had, um, they've just been impressive all year. And they have just proven that they are an elite, elite, elite team this season. Um, and so I, I'm very curious to see if UConn can just continue to assert their dominance over every team they play. I mean, I, I don't know that you could sit here and make a case for it to stop. I think one thing that if you're Miami, you've got to do is score early right we will talk about it a little bit later on but there's a a game in the women's tournament that I feel the same way about I don't necessarily think Miami has the best chances in this game right like let's just be real honest UConn is playing the best basketball in the country like you just mentioned that's an unbelievable stat right I I know I didn't even look at that until you mentioned it that's unbelievable that's ridiculous so if you're Miami you've got to look at that and go okay well we've got to score quick we've got to score early if we can get control of this game then we can kind of play at our pace. We can play the way we want to play. You've got to get guys like Isaiah Wong, Jordan Miller, uh, Pack, Normie, or Omir, all these guys that are normally your go-to for, your go-to guys to go get a bucket, get a rebound, get an assist, get a steal. Those guys need to get going quick. They need to get going early for Miami to have a fight in this game. Because if it takes you a couple minutes to get into the game, I don't think it's going to take UConn very long, right? UConn seems like a team that likes to get going quick. They like to score in bunches. And if you wait and you get down by 15 or so, I'm not sure you're going to come back because this is just a really talented UConn team. They've got height. They've got strength. They've got shooting. They've got speed. They've got athleticism. They've got everything you need to be a Final Four in this national championship contending team. 
it's going to be important that Miami shows that they have all those things as well. They need to do it early so that they can get control of this game and not let UConn uh, just, you know, get it out of hand because, you know, it's one thing to make a Final Four, right? It's impressive. It really is. But if you make a Final Four and get embarrassed, it, it takes away from it. You'd almost rather be an Elite Eight out. So, you know, Miami, I'm not sitting here saying that they're going to get embarrassed. I'm not I'm not making that case here on the podcast, but I am saying that they need to be careful because UConn's done it to some really good teams and Miami's a really good team. So, you know, just, just be careful, Hurricanes, because UConn's a good team, right? There's no getting around that fact. Yeah, definitely uh, need to be careful. This game, for some reason, is reminding me a lot of that Miami-Duke game in the uh, semifinal for, for the ACC championship and just how hot Duke was in that game and how Miami is a good team. And it's like no knock against Miami that Duke was favored. It's no knock against Miami here that UConn's favored. They were just playing the wrong team at the right time or the wrong team at the wrong time. And um, really, UConn just my, – Miami just needs to do their best to keep it close early. I think best case scenario, they get a lead early and just try to hold on to it. Uh, this UConn team's so hot. You can't let them get going first. Um, I, I got to just ditto to everything you were just saying. Um, UConn, a very scary team, and Miami needs to be careful. Definitely. This game will be after the FAU-San Diego State game. So right now it says it's about an 8.50 tip. It could be a little earlier. It could be a little later. It just depends on how that San Diego State game goes and how much time they need to um, warm up and get going. I think more accurately, it would be about 25, 30 minutes after the FAU game ends. So whatever time that is, whether it's um, 8, 8.30, 9, whatever time that is, um, these guys will get going afterwards. So definitely a, a slugfest, I think, is brewing. It's going to be an unbelievable game out there in Houston and a game that I, I'm just I'm really excited to watch. This is a Final Four that is going to give us two really good games. I really do think so. I don't think that Miami is going to let it get out of hand. I think that their experience and their scoring is going to be able to keep it close. And, you know, like I said, I, this game is too close to call. I, I can't I can't make a pick. I won't make a pick because I'm just really excited to see how this game goes on Saturday night. So we're going to get into the women's side now. They've got a Final Four starting on Friday night. We'll start with that first game, my Virginia Tech Hokies are taking on three-seed LSU. Thomas, I got to be shocked, and I got to be honest with you. LSU is a favorite in this game. So, you know, for people who don't know about women's basketball, we'll kind of read you guys off some scores just to kind of tell you how these teams got here. LSU started against Hawaii. They won 73-50. to They then had Michigan and won 66-42. to they then got past Utah 66 to 63 before winning against Miami 54 to 42. On the flip side, Virginia Tech had University of Tennessee at Chattanooga first and won 58 to 33. They then beat San Diego State or excuse me, not San Diego State, South Dakota State two very different places. South Dakota State 72 to 60. Uh, Tennessee, they they beat Tennessee 73 to 64 before beating Ohio State 84 to 74 in the Elite Eight to get to a Final Four. So the first thing that jumps off the page to me, Thomas, is the fact that Virginia Tech has put up more points than LSU in all their games except for one, right? If you take LSU's highest, which is 66, and you look at Virginia Tech scores, only that very first game against Chattanooga where they scored 58, they were lower than. And you can go even a game further to that ACC championship game where they scored 75 against Louisville to win. 
I think that's just kind of it's interesting to me how LSU is already a favorite when Virginia Tech's offense has just kind of been crazy good all tournament. Yeah, I really don't get where the LSU being a favorite comes from. Virginia Tech's been one of the best teams now for months. Um, and their offense has just been elite this entire tournament. And I'll give them a break for that Chattanooga game just because their defense was so good in that one. I mean, they only let up 33 points. That's insane. Um, so even in their one game where their offense might have struggled a little bit, they they clamped up on defense, and it didn't matter in the slightest that their offense struggled. Um, they, they are just a really hot team offensively. Um, that Like, I don't get where the LSU – Love comes from. I get LSU's been really good all year. They're 32 and 2 um, with losses coming to South Carolina and Tennessee. But I, I just think Virginia Tech's been the better team this, this this entire tournament and really all year. They've been they're more battle tested. Uh their offense is better. I I would venture to say, in my opinion, that their defense is better as well. Um LSU being the favorite is kind of just confusing to me. I don't know. Maybe you have a better reason than I do or understand. SEC but. bias. Yeah, I mean, yeah. let's just be real. Let's be honest. That SEC bias will get you. Um, yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech. Obviously, I'm a big Virginia Tech fan. I'm really, really excited to see uh, Coach Kenny Brooks and and his girls team make a Final Four. You know, Virginia Tech was terrible for a long time. They were awful, and um, Kenny Brooks has kind of turned that team around quickly. So you know, credit to him. Credit to his staff. Um, obviously Don Staley won coach of the year because she's the goat. She's, I mean, there's, you can't get past that. Anytime Don Staley is a coach of a team, you're not going to win coach of the year, but I definitely think Kenny Brooks probably had a better shout just because of how good Virginia tech has been versus how bad they were a couple years ago. Um, Virginia tech is a team that scores a ton of points, right? You've got two girls, uh, point guard by the name of Georgia Amor, who's from Australia. She is a sharpshooter. She's a, a tiny little thing. She's I think she's about five foot four. She can shoot the lights out, right? She uh, has had multiple games over 20 points in the tournament. Um, I, I think that I saw something that she has 23s in the tournament and LSU has like three or four. So once again, I, I'm not sure how you can make an argument for LSU to be a favorite in this one. Um, and then uh, Liz Kitley is their power forward. Just another, just kind of think like Aaliyah Boston, kind of just a, a big girl down low that dominates, gets a lot of rebounds, gets a lot of blocks. She scores a ton of points. Uh, she's the leading field goal maker at Virginia Tech all time. So this is a good Virginia Tech basketball team, right? There's no getting by that. And I'm not going to sit here and argue that LSU is not a good team. I'm not. I'm not trying to make that point at all. I think LSU is a phenomenal basketball team. I don't think they should be a favorite. Right. I just I don't understand that. Um, but I will say it's going to be a good game. Right. I expect LSU to make it competitive. And this was the game I alluded to earlier where I think LSU needs to get up and control the game, because if they don't, if you look at how good Virginia Tech's offense and defense has been as of late, I'm not saying it can get ugly, but I'm saying that I don't think they have a shot if if Virginia Tech can kind of get up early in the first quarter, second quarter and just kind of dictate from there. I definitely agree. Uh, Virginia Tech's full of a lot of upperclassmen or upperclass women, I guess you should say. Um, but th they have a lot more senior and junior leadership than a team like LSU, who's just chock full of sophomores and freshmen. Um, so LSU definitely needs to or prevent Virginia Tech from just chilling on the gas and putting through control on. Um, and I think 
Also, they need to look out for for Kitley, man. I don't know if LSU's tallest player is still three inches shorter than than Kitley, who's six six. Um, that mismatch is huge. And then um, Georgia Amore has been playing out of her mind in, in this tournament. Um, in the last last few games, she had 22, 21, 29, and twenty four. And in the ACC championship, she had twenty five. Uh, she wow. is feeling it right now. Um, and I. I was watching the Ohio State game, and I saw that she she went down with an injury. Um, she got hit in the face, and it looked like she was, like, stumbling off the court. Like, genuinely, I thought she had, like, a bad concussion. And, like, she goes to the locker room, and, like, a minute and a half later comes out smiling. And I was like, I don't know what just happened. Uh, but I was in very Australia. They just built really different down there in Australia. It, it really concerned me, though. I was like <laughs> – um, she, like, was, like, really stumbling off the court. Like, had, like, two trainers. Like, she was, like, leaning on. And then she, she comes back – Comes back like right after, um, and then she got back, gets back in the game like a few minutes later. And I was thinking like at that point, Ohio State was had the lead I think by a few points. And I was like, if she stays out, uh, Texas losing. Yeah. Um, luckily she came back. Uh, they got the job done. And unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the rest of that game because we had to record. But um, yeah, that that really scared me. It, so she's a it's it's great that she's uh, playing for them in this game. And so yeah, I think. The main focus for LSU has to be don't allow Kitley to just dominate. I, I saw uh, there was one part of the Ohio State game that I was watching, and they they Ohio State set three defenders down to to like triple team her in the post. So I mean it didn't it didn't end up working in the long run for Ohio State, but it definitely had some short term success that uh, LSU could try to build off of. Um, this this Tech team to me should be the clear favorite. Um, I don't I'm not saying LSU is a bad team. I just I just think Tech has got the firepower. Um, so yeah, I think LSU could just really needs to try to limit that that first quarter lead. If Virginia Tech gets up, like just just keep it close. Don't let them get a big lead. If they do, they will sit on it and they will beat you. Or you could let them get up by a lot, LSU. If you if you feel generous and you want to let the Hokies have one, I would appreciate that. I'm just gonna be honest, I would I would love that. Okay, so if you just want to give me an early birthday present, got a birthday coming up soon. You want to do that? I love you, right? I, I still don't love you. I hate you, in fact. I really don't like LSU. <laughs> However, for the purpose of this, I would love you forever. Thank you in advance. It's going to be a great game. Regardless of the fact, I think it's going to be two really, really good teams going at it. Obviously, they're in the Final Four, so they're really good. Um, but records records show, numbers prove that, that these are two high-powered teams. These are two teams that deserve to be here. This game is going to be at 7 p.m. on ESPN on Friday night, so... Uh, odds are you're probably listening to this on a Friday. So make sure tonight you tune in and you listen. Uh, it's going to be a great game, right? Both of these two games are going to be exciting. Um, I saw something that the tickets for the women's final four are almost twice as much as tickets for the men's final four. So that's a fun little nugget. We we don't need to dive into that too much, but that's a fun little nugget just to to kind of give you a little bit of a uh, nugget of wisdom, just, just there's a lot of hype behind this women's final four, and rightfully so, because you got a, t- a game like Virginia Tech LSU, and then you got the heavyweight fight. You've got Caitlin Clark, dog, against South Carolina, an unbelievable powerhouse that nobody has come close to stopping all year long. So that kind of takes us into our next game. This game is projected to be started about nine o'clock. Once again, give it about thirty minutes after the Virginia Tech LSU game is over. Um. The the storyline in this one, Thomas, is you've got a team like like South Carolina, Don Staley side, obviously thirty six and zero. The it they speak for themselves, right? That the, they there's no introduction needed there. It's South Carolina's women's basketball team. 
can they limit Iowa's Caitlin Clark enough? And I think a better question is, can Caitlin Clark get some help from her teammates to stop South Carolina? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. That's that's the question of this game. That's that's going to determine the winner of this game. Uh, Caitlin Clark has just been on a tear um, all season. I'm not even going to say it's been this tournament. It's been all year. She won player of the year for for good reason. Um, obviously, we, we mentioned it a little bit last last episode, but uh, her last game uh, in, the, in the final or in the Elite Eight was a 41-point triple-double um, against Louisville um, in a game that she accounted for well over 70% of her team's points. Um, she has to do that again. There's not not that not to that extreme, but she has to put a performance similar like that uh, for this to work out for for her, her girls. Um, this is an Iowa team that I feel like could have been a one seed. Um, they've been really good all year. They're they've been crazy hot in the past few months. Um, that they won their Big Ten tournament final game, uh, 105 to 72. So they were just dominant throughout that entire tournament, and. Uh, They've been dominant throughout this entire tournament. Their offense, similar to uh, Virginia Tech, is very elite. They they put up around eighty points a game uh, in almost every game. It's it's then they put up triple digits, and it's not a surprise, uh, which is just insane to say about a women's basketball team in college. Uh, their, their quarters yeah. are just like it, it, the scoring is not on the same level as the men's and in, in women's basketball. That's just, that's just a simple fact, and and the fact that they're able to put up a hundred points and it not be. It's 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 impressive, but it's not too surprising. Is just it's crazy that I was able to do that. Um, and this is actually the game I thought you were going to go with. With uh, uh, they need to get out to, to scoring early, and that was kind of the I thought, I thought that's what you were going with this. Uh, I think what you said about LSU to have a chance against Virginia Tech is the same thing. I think Iowa has to do to have a chance against South Carolina. Don't let them get a lead early. If they do, uh, it's yikes! Over. It's it's probably over. <laughs> yikes! Yeah, I mean South Carolina is an eleven and a half point favorite in this game. And I think that that goes without saying. However, there is one thing that really gives Iowa a chance, and that is their scoring. We'll go over their last couple games. I'll give you guys the rundown of how these two teams got here. Uh, Iowa won the Big Ten tournament, like we just mentioned, over Ohio State, 105-72. to That's an important number. Remember that. Uh, they then beat... Um, somebody, Lord help me. I don't know the name of that team. Uh, 95 to 43. They beat Georgia 74 to 66. They then beat Colorado 87 to 77 before beating Louisville 97 to 83 in the Elite Eight to get to the final four. South Carolina on the flip side beat Tennessee in the SEC championship game 74 to 58. They then beat Norfolk State 72 to 40. They then beat Southern Florida 76 to 45. UCLA 59 to 43 before beating Maryland 86 to 75 in the Elite Eight to get to a final four. So, Thomas, I told you and our listeners to remember that 105 number because I want you to then look at their first round and their Elite Eight where they scored over 95 points in both games. That is an impressive stat. When you score 97, 95, and 105 points, three of the last five games, with a game where you got 87 in there as well, that's over 85 points in four of your last five games. The scoring offense for Iowa is going to give them a chance in this game, right? I don't expect them to win, right? I think that that's kind of an unsaid thing here is that 
you know, it, it's the bigger storyline is will South Carolina lose in this final four and in the national championship. But the fact that they can score the ball as consistently as they do, the fact that they have a girl like Caitlin Clark, who is just a dog and can go get you a bucket, can go find the open girl and make plays happen for you, I think is going to give Iowa a foot to stand on in this game. I really would not be shocked if it was if it was closer than 11 and a half. I, I would kind of maybe look at, at taking Iowa to cover if I was a betting man, just because I think that that offense is, is going to keep it competitive for a, a good bit of this game. And that is actually why I did not say that it was going to be Iowa that needed to do that, because I just feel confident in the fact that Iowa's offense is going to be able to get going and Caitlin Clark is going to be able to create buckets, create shots for her teammates and get this Iowa Hawkeyes team going early. Yeah, that's a great point you make. Um, This offense is just so dynamic and so elite that you don't really have to worry if they're going to score the ball or not. Uh, They're going to score the ball. I'm pretty confident saying that. It's just about can they score more than South Carolina? Um, South Carolina – is just a good team all around. They they have an elite offense. They have an elite defense. Whatever it takes to win, they can do it. Um, and I'm really excited to see how Don Staley and her staff prepare for a player like Caitlin Clark. Um, that's really just the matchup for me. It's coach of the year, player of the year. Um, what kind of strategy can she throw at her, try to slow her down? And will it be enough to to lead to a win for South Carolina? Um, I agree with you. It, it seems like it's pretty easily. Like the answer should be yes, um, as good as South Carolina has been all year. But it is March. It is craziness. Um, they do have the best player in the country. And so um, you can't rule Iowa out in this one. And I'm really excited just to see the, the strategy that goes into it. And um, if Iowa can pull off a historic upset, which is just funny to say because it's a 2-1 matchup in the Final Four. And I'm saying that if they win, it'd be a historic upset. Um, but, yeah, this game is going to be a good one. I'm excited to see what Caitlin Clark can do with everything on the line. Um, and she can will her team to – to one more win, just just one more each time. Um, yeah. And Don Staley just seeing how well she can prepare for a, a player like Caitlin Clark. Yeah, I mean, there's so many storylines within this game that just kind of make this game even, even bigger of a deal than it is just a Final Four game, which, you know, it is kind of crazy to think about that in a game to this magnitude – there are bigger storylines than the fact that it's a final four. So I'm really excited to see how this game plays out. This game is at nine on ESPN, but like I said, could be nine, could be eight 45, could be nine 30. Just kind of depends on how that LSU Virginia tech game goes. Uh, my advice to you Friday night, just have the TV turn to ESPN, leave it running. You can watch a couple games, uh, talk to some friends, do all kinds of fun stuff, eat dinner, and just kind of enjoy the fact that there are good basketball games on on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. You got four straight days of good basketball. And then the NBA's playoffs are going to be starting soon. So if you're a basketball fan, it's a great time of the year to be a basketball fan because uh, it's just constant good basketball. And I'm excited to see how these games play out. Uh, Thomas, we may or may not get an episode out before the women's national championship game on Sunday evening. We're going to see what we can do about that, but sometimes time time conflicts on Sundays can just make it difficult. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions here. Let's, let's play the hypothetical game. Okay. South Carolina. They're the obvious pick here to win a national championship. Obviously you didn't pick them. We all know why you didn't pick them, but make me a case in the fact that, South Carolina loses a game. Made me a case. Okay. First case is final four game. They, the simple answer is Caitlin Clark. Um, 
that dynamic offense. Caitlin Clark is such a good player. She can will her team to a win. I think that's just kind of the way that that argument goes. We saw 41 points triple double in our last game. I don't think I don't think it necessarily would take that kind of performance, but something along those lines. And we've seen her do it all year. She has the ability to win a game for her team. Um, the question just becomes, can she win a game against a good, good South Carolina team? Um, and that's kind of the the way I see that one. Um, I don't really have an argument for LSU beating them. I'll be honest. Uh, we've seen the game already this year. Um, and I don't think – I think LSU is a little overrated. That's my, that's my simple take. Uh, I mean, the three seed is fair. I just – I mean, the record is – I think the record shows more than what they actually are, in my opinion. So I'm not going to give an argument for them. If it's, if it's LSU, South Carolina, I don't have an argument for it. Um, <laughs> but Virginia Tech, man, Virginia Tech has been the hottest team outside of South Carolina for a very long time this season. They've played good teams. They've lost games, which I think is valuable. I think losing a few games here and there, knowing how to um, handle the highs and lows is really, really critical. It's like if things go wrong for for South Carolina, they might not know how to respond to it. Everything's going right for them all year. Virginia Tech has been there. They know how to uh, react whenever things aren't going their direction. Then for them, man, it's just I think they have two players that are good enough in, in Kitley and Amor that they can rely on that. And that duo can can get them has enough talent to get them a win. Kitley's size um, allows Amor to play uh, her brand of basketball. They, they're a really good duo. They match up well with each other. And so I, I think that duo, if they can cause a little pro- a few problems here and there for South Carolina early in the game, um, could prove fatal for South Carolina. So I don't have a, the strongest argument. Um, the main reason I pick against South Carolina is because I don't like them. Um, we know. But I, but I, I do think – I mean, it's hard to go undefeated. It really is. Um, it's hard to win the NCAA tournament. Um, you lose one game and you're out. And so it's not it's not unthinkable for them to lose. It, it, the question is, though, like, will they lose? Like, that, that's the question. Can they go undefeated? It's not the question. It's what can a team beat them? Um, they are a really good team. I'm not taking that away from them. I don't want to see them win. Um, I think it would be really funny if they lost. I, I really I really would. Um, but I do think that at this point in the tournament, Final Four – each team here is here for a reason. They've they're all battle tested at this point. They've all been through the highs and lows of a season. Um, it'll be exciting to see who who wins it all and who gets crowned. Um, just a few days. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with pretty much every point you made there. I think I was a team that I think could just get growing crazy because they've got a girl like Caitlin Clark who's just say it with me. A dog, dog, right? She is unbelievable. I, I absolutely love Caitlin Clark. I'm her new biggest fan, right? This is now the Caitlin Clark uh, fan club podcast. So just heads up for everybody out there. We've officially changed our identity. Um, but I mean, if you look at Virginia Tech from top to bottom as a team, they match up well against South Carolina. Right, you've got a girl like Zaya Cook from South Carolina who is their point guard. She's their playmaker. She is the girl that kind of makes the makes the threes. She she's important, right? She is South Carolina's Georgia Cook. Or excuse me, Georgia Amor. Sorry. Two names getting in my head there. <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> that's who Virginia Tech has, right? That's a great matchup right there. That's a that's a matchup that could potentially cause some problems for South Carolina. You get the same thing down low with Liz Kitley and um, Aaliyah Boston, right? Two girls that are unbelievable at what they do. They will be stars in the WNBA. That's a great matchup. 
right? That's another matchup that could potentially cause some problems. Now, I think the one thing that South Carolina has that Virginia Tech doesn't necessarily have is stars on the bench, right? South Carolina has five-star after five-star after four-star after five-star, right? It is unbelievably how it is unbelievably impressive how deep they are, right? That you can go two, three deep down the bench. We there's even a freshman on the bench who's being redshirted. That's a five star. Uh, she's the number one player in the country, and she's being redshirted because that's how good South Carolina is. That they don't need the number one player in the country her first freshman year. I think that that bodes well for South Carolina. I would absolutely love to see a Virginia Tech South Carolina matchup. Not because it's just my two favorite teams. Like obviously that, that I would be really happy to see them. But because I think that for women's basketball, that's the best possible outcome. Because I think that Virginia Tech is the one team in the country that I think can push South Carolina. I think they're the one team in the country matchup-wise that matches well with South Carolina with their size, their speed, their athleticism, their scoring. I don't necessarily think that that's going to mean that South Carolina loses. Because I think that this South Carolina team is unbelievable. I think that they're on another planet and everybody else is chasing them. But I do think that that Iowa with Caitlin Clark and Virginia Tech as a team matchup-wise cause problems for South Carolina. I think that it's going to be close. I think that both games South Carolina plays is going to be hard-fought to the wire games. But at the end of the day, if I had the crown of champion today, I'm sticking with what I picked in my bracket. I think South Carolina will be your women's national champion. But crazy things happen, right? If any year for March Madness to, to come into full effect, it's this one. Um, those games are going to be unbelievable. The final four is on Friday night and the women's national championship game will be on Sunday night. Uh, those games will be on ESPN. You guys are definitely not going to want to miss those games. They're going to be really, really good games. Thomas, we have a listener question. This is, I, I, this is not a drill, right? Yeah. Round of applause, round of applause. We have a listener question. Good friend of the show, Andrew Alexander chimed in. He dropped an unreal question. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. He said, quote, would y'all like to have a final four like this every year? Or do y'all like to see a final four with the blue bloods and other major contenders? I like this one. I like this one this year, but I'm not sure I would want to see it every year. Thomas, you take a crack at that first. Yeah, the way I read this question, I'm thinking it's it's either or. Um, I'm either getting all blue bloods all the time or I'm getting all upsets all the time. And as weird as it feels to say it, I would personally prefer seeing blue bloods um, every year if I had to choose the, one of those two options. I think a year like this is great. Um, it makes it more fun. It makes it more, more wild, more madness. So it's great to happen every once in a while. I do love to see it. This has been a really fun tournament to watch. But at the end of the day, the final four is supposed to be the, the culmination of a, a great tournament. It's supposed to be all these teams that are battle-tested, that have been through it all year, that have grinded it out. That's the case this year. These teams have. But I think of a team this year like like Duke, who had to start the season and play so many great teams. And if they had been able to win all those games and then end up you know, being a one seed and then work their way to the championship, if I could, it just means more. Um than a team like FAU who had an easier schedule because they were in the CUSA. They didn't go out and they weren't playing Gonzaga early in the season. They weren't playing, um, you know, uh, Indiana or Purdue or uh, Kentucky. You know, they're, they're playing CUSA teams and, and some teams in the area and that kind of thing. And their schedule isn't as hard. I like it better seeing – if I had to choose every year, I like to see the best of the best compete every year for the championship. I think 
it leads to better games usually, um, more intense matchups with with higher powers uh, stars. And so if I had to choose one or the other, I'd choose the Blue Bloods all the time. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. We talked about it off the show or off the air earlier on, on our, our kind of business meeting we do before each show. And we were talking about how listens are down, and that's probably because teams aren't aren't necessarily advancing like people thought. Like if your bracket was shot, you know, I understand maybe not tuning in on a Monday show. I I, I agree. Obviously, this is two extremes right here, right? It's I the way I look at this is: Would you rather have all one seeds or all you know like what we got right now? I agree with you in the fact that I think the Blue Bloods and other major contenders. They give you better games, right? Like I think back to when um, Baylor and Gonzaga and UCLA and them had the Final Four a couple years ago. And I think about uh, Jalen Suggs hitting that half-court shot in front of a bunch of cardboard people because it was COVID. I, I the, That was a great Final Four. And I know that UCLA was kind of an underdog. They were the, they, they were the Cinderella run there. But it's still UCLA. There's still a blue blood. So I, I, you know, I think you get better games when you get blue bloods and other major contenders. Um, I think it's good to have a year like this every now and again, just to kind of keep people honest and say, listen, you know, there is still a possibility of of upsets and of, of craziness. It is called March Madness for a reason. I think it's important to have those years. But, you know, if I've got to choose one or the other, I definitely would agree with you in the blue bloods. I just think that that gives you better games because. You know, it's fun to cover this. It is, but eventually it gets old, right? Like if it's just constant chaos, it's just, it, it gets old. And, and you know, we kind of had that at points this year where like, it was like, oh, uh, the one seed lost again. Like, oh, the, the all five of the top five lost this weekend. Like, like it, there's just no consistency. I don't think that's necessarily good for college basketball. I think having consistency throughout a season is important. I'm not saying it's got to be the same teams every year. I'm not sitting here telling you it's got to be UCLA, Duke, UNC, and Kentucky every year. I'm not making that case, but I am making a case that, you know, those probably top 15, 20 schools that I would consider blue bloods or major contenders. Uh, I think that you need to see those teams kind of on, on a rotation to, to keep basketball going in the right direction to keep the stars continuing to flow to college. But, you know, it's fun to have a year like this every now and again, though. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this one, like I said. Um, and, I, and I would prefer to have a mix. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see one or the other. But the way this question is posed, I have to choose. And if I have to choose, unfortunately, I choose the Blue Bloods. Uh, it, I feel like an old businessman saying that. Like it's just like bored with his life. But that's the way it is. It's the the, the common, usual things that happen. In the end, I think are better for the sport if it was every year. Um, that's just that's just my take personally and what I prefer. Yeah, I mean, obviously, best case scenario, I've got like three blue bloods and major contenders, and then one Cinderella, like we did. We saw with um, oh, what was that year? It was when Michigan and Louisville and Wichita State and I'm blanking on the last team. I want to say it was like Kentucky, maybe Kansas. That was cool, right? Like you had your had your top teams, you had your your major contenders, you had your blue blood, and then you had Wichita State, and it was like, no, oh, like this is how it should be. Like, you know, Loyola uh, Chicago, another one back a couple years ago when they made it to the Final Four. Like it was all a bunch of teams that should be there, and then Loyola Chicago. And so I think that it's important to have a mix. But like you said, these are two extremes. I, I've got to pick the one that 
that will probably mean the best for the sport for the NCAA. But hey, it's fun to have a year like this every now and again. I got to be honest. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I'll lead us into our last bit of conversation here. Um, I was talking with a good friend earlier today, and the question he posed me that I'm going to pose you right now is, would you consider FAU a Cinderella? Mm, would I consider FAU a Cinderella? Mm, that's a tough question. I, I'm going to answer it without answering it. Okay, I'm going to be that guy. I think seeding-wise, yes. But if you look at their record and the fact that they're 35-3, and three, no. And I don't think it should be to anybody's surprise that they've made it this far, right? We, you know, when you look at who they were going to potentially play, they had probably Purdue, maybe a Duke, maybe a Tennessee. And it looked like, man, first off, got to get past Memphis, a good team at that. So I think that it's a Cinderella run because of who they had to get past. Obviously, they didn't have to get past Purdue, but they did still have to get past a good Tennessee team and a really good Kansas State team and a Memphis team that was playing really well at the time as well. So I'm going to say it's a Cinderella run because of who they beat, because I don't necessarily think that you anybody really expected them to beat those teams. But record-wise, if you look at how they've been throughout the entire year, it really shouldn't surprise anybody that they've made it this far. And honestly, the fact that they were a nine seed is, is gotta be pretty insulting. I think that they could be, they make a strong case to be a seven seed if we're being really honest. Yeah. I ended up agreeing and saying that I think they were uh, uh, Cinderella. And the the question then led to another question. I'll ask in a second. I, I think FAU really became a Cinderella once they made it past the sweet 16, um, the first two wins and Memphis is an impressive win, but it was a matchup that like could have gone either way. They yeah. beat FDU, which is a 16 seed. That's not too impressive. Once they beat Tennessee in the Sweet 16, I think that's when they qualified as a Cinderella, which kind of leads to my next question, which I'll answer first, is like what qualifies a team as a Cinderella? And what I kind of came to the conclusion was it's a mixture of a lot of things. It's a mixture of their path once they're in. So like if you have to play a one, two, and a three seed and you have to beat all of them, that that, that could qualify you as a Cinderella. Uh, what your seed is going into it, if you're a 12 and you make it to the final four, you're, you're Cinderella basically regardless of who you are. And then um, also like just who the team is and like what conference they come from. Um, it, it takes it takes a lot more than just looking at the seed to, to, to determine if a team is a Cinderella or not. Because um, I think there's an argument to be made that a, a San Diego State team that's in the final four right now is a Cinderella run. It just doesn't feel like it this year because there's so many other huge upsets. Um, I think there's a lot that plays into it. So I was going to ask you what your qualifications are for a team to be considered a Cinderella team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd i probably agree with a lot of those things. I think it has a lot to do with, um, you know, how you got to the tournament. You know, like we saw a team like Texas Southern that was under 500 win their conference tournament to get to the real tournament. And obviously they were a 16 seed. So that's a little bit of an extreme case, but you know, I think that that's a, that's, that could definitely constitute a Cinderella run. You look at a team like Princeton who it, it was, you have to win to get in, right? It's FAU. You can make an argument that they get in as an at large. I think they deserve to be in an at, at large, but you know, that there's an argument to be made there. So I, I definitely think that that has a lot to play in, in that as well. And then obviously the seeding and who you have to beat. Because, 
you know, San Diego State is a Cinderella run, right? It is because they had to beat the number one team in the country. Now, obviously, they they got Furman. They've got Charleston. They got Creighton. They didn't have to play all the best teams in their conference or, excuse me, not their conference, their, their bracket. But, you know, it's a Cinderella run because of, of who they had to beat to get there. Like, when you beat the number one team in the country and you're a five seed, I understand you're a five seed. That's still a Cinderella run. In, in most years, that's a crazy crazy good run that's a that's a story that that will be talked about for a long time we just happen to be in a year right now that you know having a cinderella run is is just like it's expected now like right like it's just that it's one of those years that has just been so crazy that having a cinderella run as a five seed is just almost shrugged off yeah that that's kind of what we came to as well is that there's a lot of qualifications that go into it a team like princeton being a 15 Winning their first game automatically qualifies them as a Cinderella team. Um, but a team like FAU or SDSU, it takes a path. It takes a, a storyline. It, it's more than just um, making it. Um, and so I, I think another question I got asked was, like, can a Power 5 team or Power 6 team be a Cinderella? My answer was yes. I think last year um, UNC was a Cinderella, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't know. It was interesting. I kind of didn't really think about the idea that Cinderella's and who is and who isn't could be debated. But me and my friend got into a not like a heated debate, but we were going back and forth for a while talking about it. And I, I was just curious what your thoughts were. Um, it definitely is a, a spectrum that I had never really thought about up until today. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a it's a topic that I don't think a lot of people think about whenever the brackets come out and you don't necessarily think about it because there's not always a lot to think about. But it's a good question. And it, it definitely there are multiple answers to it. Like I could make an argument for yes and I could make an argument for no. So definitely a solid question. Shout out William Alexander, friend of, friend of the show and brother of Andrew Alexander. So the Alexanders just making a making a name for themselves on the show today. That is going to do it for the show today, guys. As always, uh, we really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Make sure that you're telling your friends to tell your friends to tell their friends next to End of the Moon. Um, we love, we love you guys. We're glad that we got some listener interactions today. We, uh, appreciate the William and Andrew for chiming in. I know William didn't technically chime in, but he chimed in through you. So that counts. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at next underscore Jen underscore a T H. And that's where we do a lot of our listener interactions. Um, you know, we, are, we do have an Instagram it's at next underscore Jen underscore athletics, um, but we do more just kind of updating you guys when content is coming out um, as far as episodes and podcast stuff on the Instagram. The Twitter is really where we're engaging with you guys. And and I know that Thomas and I really appreciate the listener feedback. We, uh, we love talking to you guys. We love interacting with you guys and letting you guys know what we think about your questions. And, and we'd love to hear your thoughts about, you know, the tournament and how it's gone. We're going to be doing, uh, we'll do another episode probably Sunday evening, maybe a Monday morning episode to lead up to the national championship game. That'll be another quick episode. I know we've done a couple quick ones in a row. This one's a little longer uh, just because we cover men and women, but um, I know that Thomas and I are excited to see how the end of the tournament happens and we'll be doing our college basketball award show coming up soon next week. So you guys make sure you let us know who you think coach of the year is, player of the year, team of the year. We're going to be doing all that fun stuff next week. So uh, if you want your voice heard, chime in, uh, DM us, comment, reply, you know, do whatever you got to do to make sure we see it. Uh, Thomas and I would be more than willing and very, very happy to hear from you guys. Thomas. Sure. 
We're really trying ahead. to build a community over here as well. I just, I just want to say, yeah, we're trying to build a community over here. So, you know, if you guys definitely stay involved, keep keep getting involved. If you haven't gotten involved yet, go ahead and do it. Um, we're trying to build a community over here. Uh, Next Gen to the Moon only works if you guys are with us. So, Absolutely. I will say, Thomas, we have reached over 600 listens of the episodes. Um, one through 30, 36, uh, 37 is this one. So uh, we we definitely we're beyond blessed to have the, the community we have. And, you know, there's not a ton of you that listen repeatedly, but it's enough to keep us going. And I know Thomas and I love doing this. We love talking college sports for you guys. And we're excited to kind of dive into some more college sports outside of just basketball now that um, we're going to have an opportunity to dive into tennis and uh, lacrosse and baseball and softball and some of the other Olympic sports that are going on right now. So I know Thomas and I are really excited about that. As as basketball kind of winds down and comes to an end, we're going to be able to give you more of the the next-gen style of doing things where we just kind of touch on everything and, and just kind of bring you guys updates from all around at the NCAA. But as always, Thomas, appreciate you coming on, man. I really do. It's an honor every single time that you grace. It's an honor, it's an honor for me, man. It goes both ways. I'm very thankful, <laughs> very blessed. Yeah. Anytime you grace the airwaves, it's a good time. I know our <laughs> listeners love it. So Thomas, have a great rest of your week. You guys as well at home listening. Uh, enjoy the weekend. I think it's supposed to be beautiful unlike last weekend where it was all stormy down here in the southeast. So across the country, you guys get out, enjoy the weather, watch some good, good basketball games starting Friday, ending Monday. We'll be that back talking to you guys before the national championship game. But until then, have fun, enjoy yourselves, and we will talk to you guys next week.